And so tonight we are going to continue, um, like I said, with the sermon series, The Parables of Jesus. And we're going through these parables of Jesus, and um, tonight we're going to look at the parables of the seeds. Um, and I know many of you know this parable as the parable of the sower, but I'm going to call it the parable of the seed, because the only thing that changes in this parable is not the sower, is not the is not the um, the seeds, but is this it's the soil that's changed, and um, you're going to hear more about that tonight. So I'm going to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter uh, 13. Um, last week we read uh, chapter 13, verse 1, all the way through 23. Tonight we are going to read Matthew, the same Matthew chapter 13, from verse 10 all the way through um, verse 23 again. Um, sorry. Um, yes, verse 17, sorry, all the way to verse 17. And um, we're going to hear what God has to say in his word tonight. So let us pray and ask God's blessing upon his word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are so thankful, God, because of the opportunity that you have given us again tonight to worship you, Lord, to praise you and to magnify your holy name. And so we pray and ask God that you will speak to our hearts through your word, Lord, and we ask and pray, God, that in whatever way, God, that you choose to speak to us, that through the power of your spirit, God, that you will make known your ways to us. And so we commit this word into your hands. We commit everything, Lord, that has to be said tonight. Lord, let not self be seen, but let your name be glorified. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. And so we give thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us uh, turn to Matthew Gospel, chapter 13, and I'm going to just um, read directly off my Bible here. I like to do so. Um, so let us go and read Matthew 13. Um, I am reading from the English Standard Version, and please feel free to read any other version. So verse 10, it says there, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance, but the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. That is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but you will never understand. And you will indeed see, but you will never perceive. For this people's hearts has, has grown dull, and their ears are barely here, and their eyes they have closed. Least they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. This is God's word, and we give thanks to God for his word this evening. So this week here, I am going to continue with our sermon series, like I just said, 
through the parables of Jesus. Last week, we, we did an, an introduction of the parables of Jesus. And over the course of the next several weeks or maybe several months, we will focus our attention to learn from the parables of Jesus. Just as a reminder this evening, the parables, the parables of Jesus are only found in the synoptic gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not John. Synoptics means the three, four, the first three gospel. So you're not going to find any of the, the parables of Jesus in the gospel of John. And the parables of Jesus, like I said last week, are not found anywhere else in the New Testament. You see, the parable of the sower, also known as the parable of the seed, is also found, this passage of scripture that we just read, is also found in Mark and also found in Luke. So Mark 4 and chapter, uh, verse 3 to 20, and also in Luke chapter 8, verse 5 through 15, you can read the similar, very same um, parables of Jesus. And the parables, the parables of Jesus is mostly known, this parable itself is mostly known as the parable, parable of the sower, like I said. But the question that we need to ask, is it really about the sower or the seeds or the soil? And that is the question that I want you to ponder on tonight. What exactly is Jesus trying to convey um, to us tonight? And I believe that it is best parables of the soil, even though I title this message a parable of the seeds. Because the emphasis is placed on the different types of soil. When you read that entire passage of scripture and Jesus not only tell them the parables but he explain it, you will see that the focus is always on the soil. And I'm going to help you to understand Jesus trying to convey. So the soil tonight represents the hearts of men and women all across the world, wherever we live and wherever you will hear the gospel, it represents the heart of men and how they will respond to the gospel, which is the word of the kingdom of God, how they will respond to the preaching and the teaching of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is no surprise that not everyone will respond to the gospel. Not everyone will respond to the gospel. And Jesus said it so clearly in this passage of scripture. Now, the fourth soil that Jesus talks about is the first type of soil represents for me tonight the hard heart. The second type of soil represents the shallow heart. The third type of soil represents the strangled heart. And the fourth type of soil represents the open heart. And I'm going to use these four here tonight to present the gospel to you and, and to explain what, what was Jesus saying to his disciples in the way he, um, he explained the parables to them. And we're going to touch on that later tonight. So the seeds represents, we see that the soil represents the heart of man. The seed represents the word of God or the word of the kingdom because Matthew's gospel is about the kingdom of God. And um, that's the very first thing that, that, that you will see in the opening part of Matthew that the kingdom of God is here or the gospel that is being preached, which is what represents the seed. And then the sower represents the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that is, is responsible to open the hearts of men and women to respond to the gospel. In, G, um, in, in John chapter 4 
um, and verse 44, Jesus said, No one can come to me. And I want us to understand this. This is Jesus' word. And it's, it's, it's maybe very shocking to so many people that will hear the word, whether for you're hearing it for the first time or you've came across this passage. Jesus says, No one. That means no, no matter where you are in your walk and in your relationship, no matter who you are, the color of your skin, the color of your hair, no matter where you are, no one can come to me. And the necessary condition is, unless the Father who sent me draw him. So no one can come, Jesus says, unless the Father sent me. Who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Now we're going to be able, we're going to look at that because that is very important for us to understand this passage is, this passage of, uh, of the parable. And before I continue to, to explain the parable, we also need to understand some of the saying of Jesus and why Jesus took the time to present such a parable to the crowd on that day, but give them the parable, never explain it to them, but explain it to his disciples. In John chapter 3, and I want to draw your attention there. Hear what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and he said, Good master, or good teacher, we know that you are a teacher sent from God. And, 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 the, and the passage says, Now there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jew, in John chapter 3. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi or master, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus turned to Nicodemus and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Now I want, I would like you to pay attention to these passages here. Jesus says, unless one is born again, and I want you to keep that in the back, in, 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 in the back of your mind, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was puzzled by the response. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born again? No, that's not the case. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless again, here is the necessary condition. First, the necessary condition, one must be born again before he can see. Secondary necessary condition, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus is going to explain that to Nicodemus. Because at this point, he was, he was more puzzled than the, than the first. That which is born of the, of the flesh is flesh. So basically what Jesus is saying, you've already come here by your natural birth. You can't born again, Nicodemus. There is a spiritual birth that is going to be taking place. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You come, the, the, the physical is of the physical. The spiritual is of the spiritual. It is of the spirit. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, don't be puzzled. Don't be marvel what I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blow where it lists. Or where it goes or where it feels from when it comes and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What basically what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, for you to be born again, it is not of your own doing. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Your spiritual birth has to do with the Spirit of God that is responsible to bring you to the knowledge of the truth and bring you to a place of repentance so that you can submit and respond to the gospel. That the preaching of the gospel and the hearing comes through the preaching of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And Nicodemus was puzzled, and Jesus said, Don't be puzzled because you will never understand the things of the Spirit unless you are born again. 
You know, some people mix up faith and regeneration. Regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration precedes the faith. You, it is the work of the Holy Spirit that brings you to faith. You don't bring your faith and come and say, I want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. No, the work of the Holy Spirit has to take place in your life first. And Jesus explained that to Nicodemus. Unless the Spirit quickens your dead spirit to respond to the preaching of the gospel, it is only then the Holy Spirit is able to quicken your dead spirit. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, And you were dead, brothers and sisters, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is not working, the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once live in the passion of our flesh, carrying the desire of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That is who we were before we came to Christ, like the rest of mankind. But look at the latter part of the verse. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, it is God's mercy that is extended to mankind because God is being rich in mercy because of the great love which he had loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. This is not the work of man. This is the work of God. To come to know who Jesus Christ is is the work of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul will explain that in Ephesians 2 and verse 7 and 8. He says, for by grace it is the grace of God. It is not something that you have done, and it is something that God has done. It is the, uh, the unmerited favor of God. It is not in your own effort and strength. It is God who is at work. And for by grace you have been saved through faith. So you're saved through faith. And it is not your own doing. This is not your work, Paul is saying. It is the gift of God, God's grace, God's gift. You didn't bring anything to the altar of God. And as Paul is going to say, not as a result of works. There is nothing that you can do so that no one can boast or no one will be able to boast. So don't think that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, it is your doing. And then John chapter 3, Jesus is going to answer Nicodemus again. And Nicodemus said to these things, how can these things be? You remember that, that conversation? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but do not even receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things, Nicodemus, and you, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things. And this is key for us to understand the parables. This is key for us to understand the very parables that we're going to look at tonight. Because you know why Jesus says they will have ears that they can't hear and eyes that they can't see. 
Fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 6, God, Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell. And, and when God says, Isaiah, who will go for us? Isaiah says, I will go. And God says to Isaiah, you will go to a people that is deaf. You will go to a people that is blind. You are going to go to a people that will reject the gospel and reject your message. And even so today, there are people who will reject the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most people following Jesus during his earthly ministry were lost. The entire crowd, most of them were lost. Most of them were just following him because of what they could get from him. Some were curious. Some were following him because they were just following him. Because of others, they were following him. They were, they, they were, not, they were not hungry for the truth. And it was a perfect setting for Jesus to speak to them in parables because... Jesus knew their heart like he knew each and every one of us here tonight. He knows every one of us that are look, watching on television or watching on Facebook, on YouTube, or wherever you are this, tonight. Jesus knows your heart. And that is the reason why Matthew chapter 13 opens with these words. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables. This is only one of the seven. The crowds here in that Matthew is bearing record of this evening here started back, way back. It started in Matthew chapter 11. For those of you who have read, have read the Bible or read Matthew's gospel, you will see that the crowd was not just on starting in Matthew chapter 13. It starts all the way back in Matthew chapter 11. After giving the invitation, right after at the end of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said to his disciples and to those around him, he says, At that time Jesus declared, I thank, my, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you, have written, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding. Now, if you are paying attention to this passage of Scripture here in Matthew, Jesus says, Father, you have, you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding. No matter how much wisdom you have, you will never understand the, the things of God. Because if God, God, God has hidden these things from you, you can never understand it. And hear what it says. You have hidden it from the wise and understanding and reveal it to the little children. Little children here means those who, are, those who come to Christ or who are mature in faith, those who are walking with him. It doesn't mean little children that we have here tonight. And then he continued to say to them, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me, Jesus says, by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. There is no other way through to Jesus. There's no other way to the Father except you go through Jesus. And the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal. Now, some people will have a problem with this passage. Except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Jesus says, that authority is given to me to choose who I will reveal, to choose who I will call. And here what the 28th verse says, but he says, come unto me, all who labor. Here he is giving an invitation for those to come to him. He says, come unto me, all who labor and heavenly laden, and I will give you rest. 
This means that all of us that come are going to find rest in Jesus Christ. The only way we can find rest, the only way we can find assurance, the only way we can find comfort, it is through Jesus Christ. And he called us to come. But that calling to come has to do with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is only through the spiritual birth that we can come and experience rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Then in Matthew 12, we see from the passage that the people were following Jesus. I'm, I'm just helping you to understand the crowd as what Jesus was going through all the way before we come to Matthew 13 and Matthew 12. The people are, are following Jesus after he rebuked the Pharisees concerning the Sabbath in the very opening passage of um, Matthew 12. And he let them know that he is the Son of Man. That the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And they were, they were disputing with him about the, you know, his disciples them picking corn on the Sabbath and why he didn't rebuke them. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And then he went and he, and, and he healed a man with a withered hand after which the Pharisee plotted to kill him. But look at Matthew chapter 12 verse 15. Jesus, right after he healed the man with a withered hand, they rebuke him about being the, the Lord of the Sabbath. They, they now are going to rebuke him or trying to kill him because he healed a man with a withered hand. And then he, l listen to Matthew giving us the record in verse 15, chapter 12. Jesus aware of this, aware of the plot, aware of the plot that they want to kill him, withdrew from there, and many followed him. So as Jesus was going, people were still following him. As the Pharisees were trying to kill him or plotting to destroy him, the crowd were still following Jesus because of, oh, they saw healing and they saw deliverance and they saw all these great things that he was doing. And he headed and he healed them all. He didn't pushes them away. The Bible says that he healed them all. As they were following him, he healed them all and ordered them not to take, not to make him known. But they still, they were still following him. They, they continue in that same fashion to follow him. Then he went and he healed a demon-possessed man. In verse 23, and all the people, again the crowd, all the people were amazed. And they said, can this be the son of David? Because they knew that they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the promise and he was right in front of them. And the crowd and the people saw all that it is and they were amazed. And they said, can this be? Can he be the son of man or the son of David? Is this the Christ? Is this the Messiah that we have been long for and waiting for? Can this be the son of David? And we see from Matthew 11 and now from 12, this large, this crowd continued to grow. And it says, Matthew said, the, 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 the crowds, many of them gathered around him and they were following him. And then look at what Matthew gave us in chapter 13. He says, that same day, that same very day when they tried to kill him, when he healed and, and, and the crowd were before him. He healed many and they were just there. The same day, verse 1 says, Jesus sent, went out, the same day, sorry, Jesus went out 
of the house and sat beside the sea. And this is where he's going to give them the parable. So people, the, the people see, this, see the large crowd and believe that everyone following Jesus. You and I hearing about this, you know, this multitude of people following Jesus. We, must, we may think that, wow, what a, what, a, what a means to do evangelism. Here is the Son of God. Here is the Son of David. Here is the Messiah. Amen. It's a great opportunity for Jesus, Jesus to just save all of them. You think that what happens? No, that's not what happens. You believe that Jesus saved all of them? No. And the people saw, we believe that every one of them will come to Christ. But that's not the case. When he looked at the crowds from the understand, uh, he knew their heart. He knew that they were just following him because of what they could get out of him. They were just following him because of other people and the excitement. But their heart was not there. He knew that in that crowd and among all those many people, there were only a few that will receive him as Lord and Savior. He knew that there will be the heart of stone. He knew that there will be those that have a soft heart will still want to follow. But yet again, they are not going to want to continue. He knew those that are going to reject him. And he knew every heart that was present that day. And the crowd was there and... The people of Jesus, they could have relate to the parable when he spoke in parables right after that. You see, he knew their heart and he gave them the parable. And the people of Jesus' day could relate to the first part of the parable because their daily lives, brothers and sisters, were farming. They were not ignorant or clueless of understanding the sowing of seeds when Jesus says a, a man went out to sow seeds and some fell on the path and some fell on, among thorns. They could understand that. They were not ignorant people. They were not clueless. They were all farmers, so they knew that part of the parables, but they missed the spiritual truth of what Jesus was saying. They missed the understanding of what Jesus was saying because he never told them what it means until his disciples them ask him, what, why did you speak to them in parables? You see, the parables of the sower or the parables of the seed or the parables of the soul, whatever you want to call it, is about the kingdom of God and those who will reject it and those who will receive it. Only some will respond to the preaching of the gospel. Knowing that only some will respond, we are still, as believers in Christ, as ministers of the gospel, we are still called to preach the good news of the gospel. We are called to go in all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, go, going, knowing that some will reject you and some will re receive you. Why? Why? Because salvation is the work of God. Salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit. We can talk about Nicodemus again. We just heard that. And salvation, brothers and sisters, is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. And Jesus explained the parables to his disciples, verse 18 to 23. And now we're going to compare that. So the parable of the sower explained... And we're going to look at four types, like I said, the four types of soil. So keep in mind the soil is the only thing in this parable that is different. And each time 
The parable went out, the, the sower went out to sow. The only thing that changes is the soil, the heart of men. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. The first heart that we want to talk about is the heart that is hard. Let us compare verse 4. And we're going to read verse 4 and then we're going to read verse 19. And he, saw, and he sowed. And verse, verse 4 says, And as he sowed, which is the sower, some seeds fell on the path. And the birds came and devoured them. That's all he told the people. But then in verse 19, hear how he explained that. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what he has sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. You see, the soil here represents the heart of man which is called the path. Or the hard heart. The part, the, the, this path that Jesus is talking about is the heart that is against the gospel, that is against the things of God. It is hard against the gospel. But why is this so? You see, the word of the kingdom is the gospel preached. The word of the kingdom of the word of God must be preached. Jesus came preaching God's sovereign and rule over the hearts of men and women. Ever since the creation of man has been in man, you and I have been in rebellion against God, against this holy and righteous God. That is the state of man. That is the current state of man. We have been in rebellion against God. The Bible said that, but the heart of man is hard. And when the word of God is preached, there is no way that it can find root, Jesus says. The heart is so hard against the word that it will not find root to bring forth repentance. The hardness of man's heart is because of sin. Romans 6, 23 says, All have sinned. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then Paul, like I said earlier on, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So this is the reason why the heart is hard against the things of God. That is the reason why salvation is not the work of man. Salvation and, and coming to faith in Jesus Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the heart of man is desperately, is, is wicked, is hard against the things of God. The Bible says, humanity is always in rebellion against God. And the things of God. And there are people who will never, 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 never respond to the gospel. And some people would say, well, what are we talking about? There are people who will never respond to the gospel, what Jesus is saying in this parable. They are in such a state of rebellion against God. They love darkness rather than light and will never come to faith. And that's what Jesus said when you look at the word. The word is snatched away by the evil one. And this is very hard. This is very hard for some people to grasp. But you and I, brothers and sisters, are in no position to judge who will come to faith or not. We are not to judge. We are called to preach the gospel. Only God knows the heart of men. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring men to faith. And we're not to look at someone and say, well, you're not going to come to faith or you're going to go to hell. That is not the work that we're called to do. Leave that to, to the Lord to do that. We just ought to preach the gospel. 
None of us can judge the heart of men. Only God can do that. None of us has the power to bring men to faith. Only preach the gospel and be a witness and testimony of who Jesus Christ is. So that's the first heart. The heart that is hard against God. Then the second heart represents the shallow heart. The second soil represents the shallow heart. Look at verse 5. This is what Jesus said to the crowd. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they were withered away. They withered away. But look at verse 20 as how he explained it. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receive it with joy. Isn't that wonderful that people will receive the gospel with joy? But look, but yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. They're excited about the gospel. But when tribulation and persecution arise on the account of the word, immediately the Bible said they fall away. These people are those who hear the gospel and will respond to it with joy and excitement. Each and every one of us been there. We have been in crowd and places where we've seen and the gospel being preached and people are excited. And then you meet them several years, the next couple of years after and they don't walk with the Lord. They're nowhere to be found. They don't go to church. They don't do anything. They have got the excitement at that moment. They're, they're happy. They love what they hear and what they see and are attracted to Christianity. And many of us can point our fingers to people like that. These are people who make a profession of faith. Yes, I want to accept Jesus as Christ as Lord and Savior. But there's not, not, they're not genuine in their repentance to turn away from sin and turn to God in full obedience to his word. These are people who do not read their Bibles, who do not spend time to know God and his word. But when temptation like Jesus says comes and trial comes, their faith is put to the test. And Jesus said immediately they fall away. They're not willing to walk this Christian life. They're not willing to go after Christianity anymore because it was done out of what? Out of what they're seeing. But they were not convicted in their heart to love Jesus they're willing to throw in the towel and give up. Why? Because the Christian life is too hard. They love what they can get out of it, but not willing to, to make the sacrifice. That is the reason why the crowd left Jesus and all the disciples on that day, and they went away. You, can you believe that? They were following him as long as he was healing and delivering. It was good because I'm, I can, I'm excited about that. They were never born again. Never came to true repentance. Never confess. Just like the people in Jesus' day, they were following him because what they could get out of him. How many times can we relate to people here in our own setting, in our own church, in our own place, where we go sometimes, we see people are so excited, but don't follow the Lord after. Because it was only a profession of faith. It wasn't true confession. It wasn't true repentance. And then the third heart, the third soil, represents the strangled heart. We talk about the soft, the hard heart. We talk about the, the, the shallow heart. We're now going to look at the strangled heart. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked them. Mm. 
Let's look at this one, verse 22. And hear how Jesus explained it. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, listen to me. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. Here is the third heart. The third heart represents the cares of this world. These are people who profess to be Christians, who love Christianity. They love the way of life just like they, they strangled the other heart that we just talked about. They love the way of life, but has a deeper love. Yes, they love Jesus, but they have a deeper love for the things of the world. And, 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 and they're so attracted, they are so blinded by the riches, the fame, the popularity. They are blinded by the self-image of looking good and feeling good. Yes, they want Christianity. They want to serve the Lord. But then again, they have all of this happening on this side of, the, of their life that they, they are so attracted to it. And that becomes their desire and their heart and their passion. And they want to enjoy life at its fullest without thinking about what it will impact, how it will impact their life hereafter, after death knocks at their door. These are people like the rich young ruler when he came to Jesus and he says, Master, what must I do that I must be saved? And Jesus said, just go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says, sorrowfully he went away because he, he find it so hard to part from his riches. Jesus was not literally saying to go sell it. Basically what Jesus was saying to him is this. You want to follow me, you're going to got to give up the idols in your life. And many people today have idols in their life. They have their riches. They have their job. They have their security. And this young man here, when he came to Jesus, he had everything. And he says, yes, why do I need to give this up to follow you, Jesus? I want security in heaven, but I don't want to give this up. Ah, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. You see, you can't love Jesus and love mammon. You can't love God and love money at the same time. You got to love one, Jesus says. You got to love one or you will hate the other. And you and I that are here today and that are watching got to have to make a decision whether you're going to love the things of the world, the enjoyment, the fun, and everything that it has to offer, but you'll never give your life to Christ. You'll never surrender to his lordship. Yes, you love to hear the word. You love to come to church and sometimes be among the Christians, but you're not willing to give up. Another example, not only the rich young ruler, but you had a man in the Bible that he talks about this man. You know, he had plentiful crop and he, he had such a good harvest. He says, I'm going to break down these barns and I'm going to build bigger barns and I'm going to have so much laid up. And he was just trusting in all that he had and he says, drink, eat and be merry. Let's party, man. Let's party because I got so much laid up. I got my investment, I got my security, I got it all, I'm just going to enjoy life. Bible says that death knock at its door. What will it profit a man if he gains this whole world and loses his soul? What would you give, brothers and sisters, in exchange of your soul? Jesus said, what would you give? Riches, wealth, fame, popularity, the way you look, the way you feel? No, no, no. Jesus said, this is the heart of so many that are even in our church today. There's so many that are sitting in our pews that they love. 
The things, church just becomes a means of, of attendance and, 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 and it becomes religious. It's a check mark in their life as they go by. But their heart are not truly there. Verse 22 says, as for what was sown among thorns. Everybody says, this soil fell among thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke them. Stifle them, hinder them. And it says it proves unfruitful because at the end, like the rich young ruler, lost. But then there's another heart, another soil, which is the fourth one. The fourth type of soil represents the open heart. Hear what Jesus says in verse 8 of what he told the crowd. Other seeds fell on good soil and produce grain, and some hundredfold, and some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Now, when you read this passage of Scripture, you just don't read that it fall on good soil, but you have to understand what Jesus says, thirtyfold, hundredfold, sixtyfold. What does that mean? Here is a soil, he says, will produce grain, and some will be a hundred, and some will be sixty, and some will be thirty. And verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understand it. Yes, they hear and understand. The Holy Spirit quickens their heart, bring them to that true knowledge and understanding. He indeed hears. He indeed bears fruit and yields. Hear what it says? He bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Did you see the difference in the last one here that Jesus says? The same thing what he says in, the, in verse 8 is the same thing he almost repeats, but he explains it a little bit more. But the fruit is there. The harvest is there. This is the heart that hears the word and responds to it. This is the where the work of the Holy Spirit truly comes and, and regenerates that heart to respond to the gospel. There is evidence of true repentance and bearing spiritual fruit. As you can see, only one-third of the four set of soil, there's out of three, every four seed you throw, only one will grow. Isn't that something that you're seeing here from the text? Every three seed that you throw, it's only one will grow. Can you plant a harvest like that? Can you go about planting something, a, a, a field of crops to produce every three seed, four seed you throw, only one will grow? That means you've got to do it so many times over to get the kind of crop you want. But Jesus is not worried here because he knows the heart of man. And there is this evidence of true repentance where the work of the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes and, trans and, and quickens that dead spirit and makes it alive. This is the heart that is hungry for the things of God. As you can see, like I said, only one-third, brothers and sisters, not everyone will respond to the gospel. It does not mean that the gospel is not for everyone. Hear me again. Not everyone will respond to the gospel. But it does not mean that the gospel is not for everyone. The gospel must be preached to all the world, to people everywhere and in all times and in all places. Only God knows the heart. You and I don't. My work as a, as a minister of the gospel is to preach and to teach this word. God is the one who is responsible to bring men to saving faith because none of us can bring ourselves to saving faith. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And there are many people in churches today who have never made a confession of faith. They have never re re repented of their sin and never turned to God. And there is no fruit bearing in their lives like the other three seeds. Many people today will refuse the gospel, turn their back. Though they have heard the word of God and are convinced, convicted of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, but their eyes are blinded by the love of the things of this world. And some of these people are in our church and are professing Christians, but their lives does not bear fruit. And that's what Jesus said. The hard heart, the shallow heart, the strangled heart. But... The last heart there, which is the open heart that is responding to the gospel. You see, there are people in the last heart, they are more about themselves and the love for the world and the things of the world because it has blinded their eye. Now, I want to ask you before I bring this message to a close, which heart are you tonight? I want you to examine yourself, those that are watching on television and that are here. Ask yourself, which heart am I tonight? Are you the hard heart? The shallow heart? You just love to be, you know, the hard heart is basically saying, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. The shallow heart says, I got some love for Christianity. You know, it's okay, but I don't really want this Jesus. The strangled heart is saying, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. I love to be among Christians. I love the program in the church. I love to bring my kids to, school, to Sunday school, but me? I just love to do my things outside of church. This is not for me, but it's good that I can show a face <laughs> that I belong to the church. It's, it's, it's okay for me to paint that I'm a Christian, but behind the back, I'm no Christian at all. But then there are those who says, I want Jesus and everything there is for about Jesus. I love him with all my heart. I love him with all passion, with all desire, and I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny myself and take up my cross, and I'm going to follow this Jesus. If I have to be at church, even when it's snow and a 60 degree, I'm going to still be in church. I'm going to still be among God's people. I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to love God. I'm still going to sing and shout and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus says. The heart that is open is going to bear fruit, brothers and sisters. A hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, you will bear fruit. And that's what Jesus says. That is how you know someone is truly repentant. That is how you know someone truly turned to Jesus and surrendered their heart and their life because their life will bear fruit. And you can only possess one heart. One heart. You can't have two hearts. You, you either have the hard heart, you have the hard, the shallow heart, you either have the strangled heart, or you have the open heart. The open heart are the people who love the Lord. And I encourage you to examine your heart. The reason why Jesus only explained the parables to his disciples, because they are the only ones that could understand it. Many of those who were following only knew him deep down in their heart, but they were not willing to make the sacrifice. And we all been among people who, yeah, get excited about Christianity. But when you look at the church, they're, no, they're never to be found. They don't want anything. They will promise you, I'm going to come to church, but I'll never show up. They have no desire for God. No fruit bearing. They're not willing to make sacrifice. 
They're not even willing to testify about who Jesus Christ is among their friends and family. Hey, I don't want anybody to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want them to know that I'm a believer. Because you know what? I need to keep this Jesus a secret. If you're going to keep Jesus a secret, you might as well not serve him. Because he is no secret at all. Isn't that so? He's no secret at all. Christianity is not telling someone that you are a Christian. Being a Christian is not telling someone that you're a Christian. It is not how well you can debate and study the word of God and to show yourself approved and be versed in a text. It is about bearing fruit and living out for others to see. You will be disciples that you're able to disciple others. That is what fruit bearing is all about. You're going to go make other disciples. You're going to go sit with families and friends and you will tell them about the love of Jesus. Everything about you and everything that comes about in your mouth is about Jesus, brothers and sisters. That is what Jesus talked about. They will be in service for the king. They will serve. They will, they will raise their family. They will encourage friends. They will encourage neighbors. And they will never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fruit bearing is about knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As believers in Christ, we are called to bear fruit. And what did Jesus say about the open heart? Here, here's the last word as I bring this message to a close. He indeed bears fruit. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in some case, a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. Not everybody will be worship singers. Not everybody will be preachers. Not everybody will be something. But you know what? You will bear fruit. You will bear fruit if you are in the kingdom of God. You can come. You can worship. You can praise. You can testify. That's what Jesus means. All of us are going to be able to serve in the body of Christ. There is no, no, no second best. Everyone has a place in the kingdom of God. And, that, and, and those that I'm talking about are the ones who have an open heart to serve the Lord and live their life in obedience to him. So tonight the message is I would like you to examine your heart and ask yourself, what heart do I have? And if you believe that you are in a hard heart, a strangled heart, a shallow heart, an open heart, whatever state that is, just go before the Lord and ask him and pray and seek God and, and, and just ask him to change your heart because only he can do so. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for your word. We thank you, God, that you're able to speak to us through parables and that we can understand through your word. Oh, God, there are so many people, Lord, that are, are lost. So many, oh, God, that are going to respond to the gospel like we heard tonight. So many that will love the things of the world and, and also want to be part of what you're doing. And God, we know of the heart that is truly open, a heart that is responsive, a heart that is willing in surrender. And Lord, I pray, God, that we will examine our heart tonight. We pray, God, that you will touch lives and those that are watching on television and Facebook and on YouTube, that you will speak to them and continue to touch them and minister to them. Because salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. And Lord, we just surrender our lives to you and ask you, God, to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.